0: You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Well, we are now in the second week of January for Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. I have gotten a few emails and questions about the conference coming up in Adelaide, Australia. People asking, Daniel, what's the conference called? What's the subject matter? Where's it going to be? What's the address? So on and so forth. And we're going to be putting all of this information on the website real soon here. The location will be at Field of Dreams Church in Adelaide, Australia. And they have so graciously opened up their facility to this conference. And so the The actual address can be found at fieldofdreams.org.au. So if you want to know because you're planning to travel to Adelaide for this conference or you're trying to make plans now, just go to fieldofdreams.org.au. The address for the building, the physical building where the conference will be, is there. And registration information is going to be up real soon. Um, I'm just waiting for a few things and then we'll be putting it on our website and making it available for those of you that are interested in coming. The title of the conference is going to be called Manifest Breakthrough. This conference is all about how to actually manifest your breakthrough. The Body of Christ spends a lot of time talking about this idea of a breakthrough, right? It's it's always this carrot on the stick and you know you know that it's there but you keep running after but you can never quite reach it and some people are doing this treadmill Christianity where you keep going 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 but you never arrive and and and, and so we're trying to uh, spend some time focusing on the arrival process right And so we're calling it manifest breakthrough. I believe that 2019 is going to be a year of breakthrough. By the way, I, I think that there's going to be an end of delay for a lot of us uh, that have been waiting on things from God that that have been that have been pressing into things for a long time. I, I think 2019 is going to be a breaking year, and that's what my wife and I are standing on for sure in a whole lot of areas in our lives. Uh, not only regarding the ministry that is bride ministries but but personal things as well and and so folks all I'm saying is get excited now uh, today you're going to be able to enjoy a message from a conference that I was doing last year actually it, it was um, hosted by Willie Richmond and only believe ministry shout out to them they wanted to have me come to Louisiana talk about the mandate for a city. And we have been throughout the year of 2018 pressing into praying for Dallas. Um, God started us on this journey in 2017, late 2017. We began to press in and God began to give us lots of keys. And so this conference was for the purpose of, you know, uh, talking about a few of the keys and also setting a framework for why warring over a city is on the heart of god and so you're going to enjoy that immensely i just want to say thank you to all of our financial supporters donors those that are contributing to this ministry to this vision folks we have massive vision right and, and it's, i don't always go here in the intro to the podcast but i'm going to remind you the vision of bride Ministries is to promote unity in the body of christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations what does that mean that means that we believe There is a unity of the spirit that is to be kept in the bond of peace, according to Ephesians chapter four. And there's also a unity of the faith where we all come to the same belief system. Now, What is the belief system that we are supposed to come to unity on? I believe it's the belief system of Jesus. In other words, what does Jesus believe about his own word? And since nobody really knows everything that Jesus believes about his own word, because no one has it right, and I include myself in that statement, by the way, folks. Believe me, um, I reserve the right to change my opinion on the word of God at any time if Jesus is correcting me or if I'm learning something I didn't know before. And I believe that that is a sign... Of good leadership personally. But the truth is, the truth is, what we are on assignment to do is demonstrate what it looks like to take a journey where we are choosing to come into alignment with the belief system of Jesus. Right? And and and, and that means that if we have to start believing that people do get abducted by alien grace and need deliverance from the kind of bondage that that creates in them, we are not afraid to add that to our belief system because Jesus is trying to get people set free from abduction experiences and he needs his frontline ministers to be part of the process, right? What does it mean to come to the unity of the faith? So anyway, we want to demonstrate this walk. That's that's part of how we fulfill the first part of the mandate and second part, the vision You know, to promote, uh, to, to assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Yes, sheep nations. Nations that cooperate with the plans and agendas of God. Nations that come under the influence of the kingdom of God reigning in and through the hearts of men. We certainly believe that there are going to be pockets, areas, and regions of the world that are going to be there actually on the drawing board to be fundamentally transformed in every way by the influence of the kingdom of God going into the last days. And we're going for it. And so, you know, folks, anyway, um, part of this conference is going to be me breaking some of these things down. You'll enjoy it. I'm done. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. So, here we are. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about, and she coined it, you know, opening up the mandate for your city. We're actually going to talk about that. And we are going to talk about it from a perspective that I, I believe is approaching heaven's perspective. I think we're getting closer to the way Jesus actually looks at how to change out a city, shift systems and import his kingdom influence into an entire geography. And it doesn't look like business as usual. So before we get there, I'm just going to say quickly, I have two books that I brought. There's only a few copies. I don't think there's enough for everybody here to buy them, but we do have some. So this one is Kingdom Government and Promise of Chief Nations. It's very long, about 450 pages of stuff. Uh, that one's twenty-five, and I have another book called Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions, and the Spirit Realm, which is exactly what it says it's about—about it's about those subjects. And that one's twenty. And yeah, okay, my wife is telling to take a moment and explain what Kingdom Government is about. Kingdom Government in the Promise of Chief Nations is actually an exploration into how the kingdom of God is going to begin influencing things going into the last days, um, which is the end of the age, a time when things shift over, because there is a point in time where Jesus returns and takes possession of planet Earth, marrying the planet and bringing it back into alignment with original design. Leading up to that, uh, there's a lot that happens. And one of those things that I think a lot of people haven't been talking about much is the redemption of entire nations. And uh, it is going to come about as a result of the kingdom of God reigning in and through the hearts of men. And that book is what draws that concept out from the beginning to the end. It's very thorough. And so if you have questions about the statements I just made, that's where you start. But I will tell you guys this: um, you know, we talk about sheep nations and how you know the kingdom of God really, right? of the hearts of can influence a nation. But before you get to the level that you actually do begin to influence a nation, you're going to have to be able to influence a state. Before you're going to, to be able to influence a state, you're going to have to be able to influence a city. Before you can influence a city, you're going to have to build something: a business, a ministry, something that employs a corporate group of people before you can touch that you really have to be able to steward your own home and before that you want to get right here home base if you can't win the battle at home right here for your heart good luck winning the battle for your family good luck winning the battle for your business or ministry and don't don't start on the city because on this level you're about to get blasted Okay, if you thought the demons coming against your family were big, when you get to the city level, yeah. you're talking ancient and big and well armed. Now I'm going to start off with a few stories because you know some, sometimes stories set context. So how, how do you even get to the point where you're talking about you know establishing a city's mandate, Daniel? Well, I have been in the business of doing environmental warfare over regions since about 2013 and I was first pulled into this in a way that I didn't expect I didn't actually know what was about to happen and I got pulled into something and then I just had to travel it out and it was an exploration into my identity God was actually showing me something about who I was at the same time we were actually cracking an entire region open in the spirit and so I was in Rwanda, 2013, and there were their, uh, I was there with a person that I had met in Bible school, and they were planting a church in a the village. They also had some connection in the city, and there were different things going on. And you know, we went to preach in the village, we preached here, we preached there, and there was a revival breaking out. It was really cool, and you know, so we were praying and you know doing the normal stuff Christians do. And then there was a point where we said, okay, we're going to have a prayer meeting in this house. So we go into prayer. The next thing I know, I'm in the spirit, and suddenly I begin to see um, what looks like a, a, a plane of grass. So I'm here, and then I see someone, and they have like this catapult, and they're pulling back this kind of like projectile, and releasing it from the catapult, and it's soaring in the air, and it's hitting the sky. And when it would hit the sky, it would just fall down. So they're doing it like this, and it's hidden the sky fall down. And then I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And it was like I was pulled out from that place, and this, this whole scene backed out. And as the scene backed out, I suddenly realized that there was a number of these, they were like spheres with ground in them. And there were a number of people launching these projectiles. And they were hitting this dome, and they would fall. Now, I was not new to visions at that time, but, you know, here I was praying with this pastor and, you know, other people, and um, I'm just like, you know, they're praying and saying stuff, but at this point I'm kind of quiet because I'm just observing. I'm saying, well, what am I about to be shown here? And so after i back out, I see all of these things, but they are around or orbiting a massive, so and so the revelation came. Impact without breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And so you had all of these different things going on, and it, it, what that really was representing was different efforts. Different efforts. And their ability to succeed was being determined by the fact that they were all subjugated under a massive throne. And would you know that Jesus Christ was not sitting on that throne? So, there are different orders of heavenly hosts in the Bible. Seraphim, cherubim, dominions, principalities, powers. One of them is called thrones. Now I don't know what this guy was, but he had a throne, and so there was there was someone with me at that point in time, which I assume was an angel on assignment with the Lord from the Lord for me and my protection. And I was taken by this one to the throne. Like we were standing on the side of it, and it, you know, if if I was like this tall, you know, if whatever this guy was it was bigger than me, but. The, the seat of the throne was way above my head, and then it was on top of that. So it, this thing is massive. We're talking maybe, I don't know, anywhere between 15 and 25 <laughs> feet tall relative to my perspective. Of the spirit. And so I'm, I started praying at that point. I'm praying in tongues and you know, whatever. And, and it was like the, this massive thing with this nasty form, like bent down and around and wrapped its head like this and looked me square in the eye. And I looked him square in the eye. And what it felt like was an internal target lock. You you ever see like when they put an airplane in a movie and they're like flying the fighter jet and they're about to, you know, lock on and shoot a missile. It's like, and it's like, you know, lock on. That's what I felt right here in my nose. I was like, I've just locked on to this mess of the guy. So I just started just screaming, yelling. I mean, I was I didn't even know what I said. I said everything I could think. I was like, say stop! And I'm praying. And after a period of time goes by, it's just like, alright. Done. And the throne cracked. And the entity gets thrown off of its throne, and then it's like over. All of the, the bubbles pop or something. It was like, that was it. It was over. So I'm like, wow, that was wild. I opened my eyes. My body felt like a sack of potatoes. It was just plop. I, I, I was so weak. After this prayer, I, I could barely walk. I was like, i to go to bed, guys. And everyone else that was there praying with me just sat down once I got started. Because Can you imagine, like, just praying, this guy just starts praying so in tongues all of a sudden and then... It again? And he was like... Ooh. Oh. See where this goes. <laughs> I'm all by myself and... And then i was so tired afterwards. I just had to go to sleep. I mean, I had never in my life contended to that point with something so massive and powerful and I didn't even know what I was doing. But it later became revealed to me that you know, uh, part, part of my scroll and mandate is to deal on that level. It's actually part of my calling. And I, I didn't know back then that the day would come where I would do warfare on this level <laughs> three to four times a day back to back to back to back Ah, ah. but you know God he he helps us get there you know that was before I started working with people defecting from the Illuminati so (laughs) after that happened there had been a gang in the area where they were ministering to the church and they had been terrorizing people for years and the government would do nothing about this gang The next day, the government went in and arrested the entire gang. Like right on cue. Um, One of the most famous uh, gospel singers in the country, literally the next day or the day after, called the pastor friend and said, I want to work with you. Um, We, before I left that country, and a lot of this ended up not working out, but we, we sat down with a government official who said, we want you to come in and build an infrastructure for this, what was a payment gateway. We would have all been millionaires by now, had certain things not taking place following this, but we were having meetings with government officials. I actually left that country one degree of separation from the president after being there only three weeks. Wow. And it was... Astronomical. It was just, just like a, a rocket ship. And it was it was so profound, I, I couldn't even believe what was happening because after that prayer meeting, it was like every day there was breakthrough, 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 breakthrough. Um the the sad part of the story is that what could have opened up didn't, and I'm not gonna get into all the reasons why. But the the, the moral of the story is That this was the first time in my life that I had seen how governments in the spirit can be dispossessed of their power by the children of God who step into their mandate and execute the authority of Jesus Christ through them. And what that will produce in the natural. You've been trained... Think that the enemy has this world so locked down, the best you can do is pray for a little better than what you've seen. Yeah. <laughs> but they haven't told you that you can determine, as long as you're working under kingdom directives and government, the spiritual rulers that will sit over entire regions They didn't teach you that the Ecclesia was a governing body that determined those appointed to governmental offices. We serve a government that is superior to the government of Babylon.
1: When they
0: appoint a ruler, the rulers that we appoint will dispossess the counterfeits because our authority supersedes theirs in Christ. So one of the first things I discerned about this area when I came in, I was driving around, and I said, Willie, this is a place where people get locked down and suppressed. This is the first thing I picked up. And I I think that needs to change. I I don't believe that that's God's best for the state or region. But that will not change unless there's some intentionality behind it. Now, what are we here to talk about? We're here to talk about releasing the mandate for your city or state or whatever. Um, Would anybody like to take a guess at how many times the word mandate is used in the Bible? How many people think it's used five times, more or less? Three, ten, one, zero. A mandate is an official order or commissioning to do something. Mandate is a governmental term. You don't use governmental terms unless you are dealing with governmental things. You don't get a mandate because you belong to a religious club, a social club, or, you know, whatever you want to call it. It, the, the, The reason why you get a mandate is because you are working with a government that has official proceedings, processes, things that need to be carried out. As a verb, the word mandate means to give someone authority to act in a certain way. So, a mandate is a biblical term when you begin to understand that the kingdom of God is not a social club and it's not a religion. It is a government. And this is one of the main sticking points that I never can quite get away from is that Jesus didn't come on earth to establish religion. That's wrong. That's wrong. You know, and what the soul wants to do is break everything down into a religious protocol and practice. Mm-hmm. You know. When you pray, say this, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does religion do? Say this 15 times and you'll be forgiven of yourself. You know, it's like, you know, that Jesus was going for something deeper than, than just a repetitive use of this phrase. Amen. That that prayer is so packed and loaded with insight. It's a pattern. And so we break things down and we want to make religious practices out of them, but what we have missed is the bigger point that Jesus, Jesus actually came to set up a government that was not of this world. Now you have to understand that this is being done in the face of Satan who has also set up a government that is not of this world. You have two people, entities, that are setting up opposing governments from the spirit and interfacing them with the natural. One is superior and one is inferior. It's about more than just setting up a religious system. So when you are participating in a government, the king will have agendas. And he will look to his servants as he sits on his throne and determine who is able and capable and gifted and designed to do certain things and assign them official commissionings. That is a mandate. So, when you're dealing with mandate, what you actually begin to step into is a different mindset. First of all, we're going to just break this down and bring it home. Right? Because I said, if if you can't touch your heart, your life. You're not going to touch a nation. If you can't figure out what a mandate is right here, you're not going to be able to discern a mandate for your family. You certainly won't be able to discern a mandate for your business or ministry and forget about the city. And I'll tell you that a city can't have a mandate from heaven because what that what you're talking about on that level is bringing that region into alignment with a plan that's coming from a different government but a city can be on board with a plan that's coming from the government of Babylon. A kingdom is a monarchy that has at the centerpiece of all things its king. That's what we must register in our hearts before we even begin a process of looking at how the government will take a seat. Have I centered myself on the fact that Jesus Christ is the center of all things? Because that is the government that I participate in. I am a citizen of this state which is in heaven. Philippians chapter 4. For ye are citizens in heaven from which we await the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is trans-dimensional activity. Am I I losing you guys? No. Um, Trans-dimensional activity means you are here and you are there. Simultaneously. I'm going to tell you guys a mystery. When Gabriel appeared to Zechariah as John the Baptist was birth of being prophesied. He said, Zechariah, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of the Most High God. Gabriel was talking to Zechariah on this realm. But he said, I am Gabriel who stands. He didn't say who was standing as if to say I was standing there but then I left to come here He said, who stands. Because this is how the archangels operate. They stand in the presence of God, beholding his glory at all times, and refract themselves through the dimensions to do the biddings of their king. And so they are always being strengthened and empowered with his glory from on high as they execute assignments throughout the earth cosmos and omniverse. They don't have to leave. And neither do you. Hallelujah. (laughs) That's good. So we're talking about a kingdom that we abide in as citizens presently. And what I'm telling you is that from this kingdom... Official orders of business are being issued as decrees. And, and, and it's like paperwork. You will receive it and it gives you authority to carry something out. The beauty is, when you have mandates, mandate, the devil cannot stop you on the basis of accusation or other things. As a matter of fact, you're basically unstoppable until you decide to lay down and quit. What the devil can shut down is the stuff that you do without a mandate. God saved my business. I told you to quit that business ten years ago. But God, the devil is attacking me because your blessing is over here. God, why won't you to do anything? <laughs> So, what the devil does is he subverts stuff or he gets us to a place where we are operating in various areas of our lives completely outside of the official business we are here to do. I talk a lot about assignment based living. Assignment based living comes from a revelation that Jesus had when he was 12. Jesus why didn't you leave with us when we were traveling away? Well, I was in the temple with these guys. You can't do that, Jesus. Mom, I must be busy about my father's business. Let me explain to you that your business was not his business. I'm about his business. See, that's called operating in mandates. And what we need to understand is that all authority flows from the king. But when you have a mandate from the king, it's almost as if you are the king himself, doing what the king told you to do. Yes. That's a lot of power. It's a lot of power. <laughs> but we're talking about the individual. Did you know that a family can have? My wife and I have individual mandates, but together there is a mandate on our family. There is a mandate on bride ministries. And an official order or commission to do something can be given on any level. God can issue an official decree or order of business something commissioned to do something on a national level. Because he's running a government. But the only way to introduce a nation to that level of influence is by allowing the government of God to flow through us until the systems upon which a city, a state, or a nation are built are influenced by His person. Official business within a kingdom is executed by those given the authority or mandate to perform that assignment. Now, I'm going to back up a little bit. What am I doing tonight? I, 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 have, a, I have all these keys, guys. I have a bunch of keys and I want to give them to you. Keys, keys, keys. But, you know. but the problem is that sometimes in order to use a key, you have to know where the door is. <laughs> it's like, all right, go to the P.O. box. There's five blocks of gold in there. Just grab them for me. Here's the key. Five blocks of gold. Go in the P.O. box area. There's so many of these stuff. which one do I that didn't work you want to know something funny I forgot my P.O. box one day when I was back in Texarkana and I said I'm going to crack the code I'm just going to try every one and you know what I got to one of those boxes and the key was fitted just wrongly enough that I put my key in there and it got stuck (laughs) and I couldn't get it out and I lost my key uh, yeah. yeah. So, so sometimes we, we it's better to know how to use the key before you begin to fail at using it the wrong way. So we're gonna take a step back, talking about kingdom government. Mm. Everybody get that God runs the government. Yes. Okay. We're part of that government. Yeah. Now. Moving forward, what we have to understand is a little bit about society and culture. Society and culture. What is society? Society is defined as an organized group of persons associated together for religious, benevolent, cultural, scientific, political, patriotic, or other purposes. And when we begin to understand that's what a society is, what we begin to understand is that something is running that system of people to do those things. I would call that a program. And when you begin to ask if a program is what runs a society or undergirds why it looks the way it does, where is it? Is it in your wallet? In your television? In your cell phone? In the, where? Where is it? And I would say this. It's actually in the subconscious. It's it's a program that subconsciously instilled into the members of those that live in that society. In some societies, like those that practice satanic ritual abuse, it's normal practice to rape your children on an altar. I deal with that all the time. People have to survive that. It's terrible. And the truth is, that activity is in their subconscious. And uh, it... To us, that sounds completely wrong and foreign and strange. You need to be locked up and put in the prison house for that. Yeah. Why? Because you're operating a different program. Because if you were born into that and raised in that culture, you may not necessarily think there's anything wrong with that. Joseph, the alleged father of Jesus, until, you know, we figured out that he was actually the son of God, was marrying a 14-year-old. Mary was 14. Okay? That's a different culture. It's a different society. It's a different program. Today, you're going to jail for that, buddy. Something wrong about that picture. Human society is a program that's subconsciously instilled into the members of that society. You don't even have to think about it. I say, hey, should you put kids on the altar and do this to them? You guys are like, no! Why? Where does that belief system exist? The same place the belief system exists that says, God doesn't love you. The same place the belief system exists that says, you're not good enough. The same place the belief system exists that says, if you try it a business, you will fail. The subconscious. Or, we can become biblical about it and just call it the heart. So there's a reason why the Bible says, the kingdom of God is within you and also among you. This is what Jesus said. Amplified Bible says, the kingdom of God is within your hearts and also surrounding you. God put his government in your heart because he wants his program running inside of his people. Why? Because he's trying to anchor another dimension to this world so that he can bring his government in through his gates. So when we're beginning to talk about society, we have to understand that society can have different programs. It can have God programming. It can have satanic programming. It can have humanistic programming. Traditions of men. That's a real thing. Not necessarily good, not necessarily bad. Just different. There are different programs. And God in this age is trying to get us on board with his program. Because if he can get a whole company of people to begin to think the way he thinks, he's going to unlock cities through those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because those are the people that are going to get a revelation that certain biblical terminology actually means what it says. Like I have given you the victory through Jesus Christ. In all these things you have made more than conquerors to him that loved us. For you are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. What does it look like when a person on the earth manifests what it looks like to be a co-heir with Christ? It looks like a person that brings the entire plethora of all that has been bestowed upon them as inheritance from a heavenly king that has more resources on his pinky finger than the entire earth has if you've dug up all this gold. There isn't enough wealth in the earth to represent what the children of God carry as inheritance into heaven's. You could mine every resource out of earth a billion times over and the body of Christ is still richer than that. <clears throat> Society's program. Have you me? Uh... <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> Breathe. <laughs> society and culture go hand in hand. This is actually like the first page of Kingdom, Government, and the Promise of Nations. How does that book start? Just like this. <laughs> this is way to get paid 445. So the thing is, I propose that while society is the program... Culture becomes the observable product of a society's set of values. The actual definition of culture says that it is a quality in a person or society that arises from concern for what is regarded as excellent in arts, letters, manners, scholarly pursuits, etc. So you have a society that is a program, but that program is going to produce a culture. So God wants the kingdom of heaven anchored to our hearts, overriding our belief systems so that we produce a heavenly culture in the earth. And a heavenly culture in the earth means a company of people arise that spit on the devil's face. And the well, You're done. <laughs> <laughs> you know how fun it is when we're in their delivery sessions? And it's like, oh man, a new just showed up. And it's like, alright angels, let's get him again. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, 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 I. It's like, oh my gosh, they're slapping him in the face and squirting him with water I You know. <laughs> I'm telling you. <coughs> It gets kind of silly at a certain point. We laugh during our deliverance sessions because it's actually humorous. We've seen them try to escape battle grounds. Run. They want to run away. I remember there was one day, I, I was just feeling really mean. And there was all these <laughs> demons and they all linked themselves together to like anger something, and, and so they were all bound. And uh, it, was, it was to form like a, a resistance. So when I found them like that, I had the angels chain them up, and I had the angels get branding irons. I gave all the angels branding irons in the spirit. And the branding irons said, kick me. And the angels started to laugh. And the person heard the angels laughing. They're like, oh my gosh, Daniel, they're laughing. I'm like, yeah. But the demons aren't. So they have branded all the demons with kidney signs, but since they're all linked together looking at each other, it's like a big chunk. Because they're (laughs) They all say kidney. Right? What am I stepping into? This is creative power. When I speak it in the spirit, it actually is created that way. And, and, And this is simply stepping into sonship. You know, where did you get all the materials for those branding irons? It it sounds like a big business expense. (laughs) Right? Branding irons. Do you afford that? (laughs) you afford that? One of the funniest things I ever ran into was we were destroying so many, and I know I'm getting into some stuff I'm not taking all the time to explain what it all means. We we, we had destroyed so many computational facilities, crafts, different things throughout the heavens and cosmos that my spirit had basically created like a junkyard in his realm for the collector's items. And you would just throw over the computers and crafts and this and all that. Day. it's going a big junk pile. You <laughs> would go out there and laugh at the trophies. Like, <laughs> you don't know what you are working with as a son or a daughter of God. You have no idea how powerful you really can be. How much of a force of, uh, and how much of a threat you are simply because you are here. All right, so back to the main point. point is, society is a program and a culture becomes the observable product of a society's set of values. So God has set up a government. He made you a citizen. You are there and you are here. He wants that government anchored through your heart so that it not only becomes the reality of where you are in the spirit but that it crosses the veil through your heart and begins to be the manifestation of what you experience in the earth through your life. As you give entrance to the kingdom through your life, you open up environments to that influence. I can't step into a room without angels stepping into the room with me. They just follow me around. This is pretty cool, you know. I, when, when I'm doing deliverance stuff, I'd say, Uh, angels, go deal with that person, uh, pull that thing forward, grab that demon, do this, angels, do that. You know, and I'm just always just telling whatever to do, just like that. And I don't see anything, I just assume they're there. And stuff just happens. I'm not, I'm not even a seer doing all this stuff. Most of the stuff was told to me by people that actually saw it, they gave me the reports because I didn't see anything, I just spoke it by faith and assumed it was true. Uh, Okay, so, the reality of the kingdom of God, his government, is designed to be the program that overrides our flawed programming. The enemy says you can't, but God says you can The enemy says don't, God says you must. Dad said you're not lovable, but Daddy said you are. Overriding the faulty programming. Now, moving forward, as we begin to understand that we are here to introduce a different government into the earth, what we have to understand is where are we going to introduce this government? Beginning in 1975, There were two people that had a simultaneous revelation that confirmed one the other. Their names were Bill Bright and Lauren Cunningham. Sorry. And uh, they independently received what has come to be known as the revelation of the seven mountains. And many of you are probably familiar with that. This revelation since 1975 has been making its way around the body of Christ. So people get a little bit of fire, they get a little bit of revelation, and then the religious folks come in and smash it. Know. And try to convince them that, the, oh, well, yeah, all the seven mountains, all that stuff, dominionist stuff, that's just really, really bad. you got to stay away from that, you know. But I, I don't think so. I, I just think that Uh, the enemy has been working against this message because it helps us to actually articulate a very important thing. If you are going to release something like a mandate for a city, what areas of that city or what compose that city have to be influenced or, if you want to bring satanic poison into an entire society, what is the kingdom of darkness going to go after to subdue the entire society? There is a mystery, there is a revelation on this. And God gave it to us. It's that simple. And there are basically seven major mind molders or mountains in any given society. There's spirituality and religion. The major mountains. And mind molder in any society. Number two, the family unit. How family is done. Number three, it's education, technology. That is going to be a major mind molder. How are the children educated? Number four, government. How is the government run? Who gets to be in power? Who does not? What determines the political platforms? What are the values that people are debating? Five, media. Who tells you what the news actually is? Whose version of the news do you get? Six, arts and entertainment. What do people find entertaining? What do they spend their money on? Seven, business and economics. Because if there's no business, no one's making money. If no one's making money, you can't afford a government. (laughs) And everything else goes out the window anyway. So, what does the kingdom of darkness do? Okay, let me explain they take a person and they introduce them to their kingdom. Worship Satan. Worship him. Worship the Worship us. Sign our documents and we'll give you power. <coughs> then they fill that person's heart with poison. And they anchor to that person their realms. And then that person goes around being anchored to the realms of darkness and Babylon and begins to influence their society and produce culture around their lives. And they have counterfeit power to bring shifts to how family manifests, how businesses are conducted and stewarded. How activities occur in government offices, you have people that are being anchored to other realms and being lorded over by evil rulers that are bringing that government into this world by what they produce, because they are producing the culture and the society that they are anchored to. Hitler was more than just a guy who thought it was a good idea to kill six million Jews and try to subdue the continent of Europe and ultimately the world. He was anchored to evil realms and lorded over by fantastically powerful entities. And if you want to know how the world actually works, you have to understand that people are being moved around and powered up by governments that are not of this world. And unless you are in league with those governments, forget about being a major shift agent in the earth. You don't have it in you to do it without some kind of anchoring to a spiritual source of power. But it's so easy for the kingdom of darkness to get people to sell out. Because they appeal to the sin nature. God appeals to true identity. It's a lot easier for us to submit to sin nature than it is for us to submit to our true identity. So God has been trying to raise up a company of people to handle themselves to his government, to walk the earth as his authorized agents with paperwork to subdue the earth out of the resources of his infinite power. We're talking about government on different levels. Did you know that when you are receiving injustice at a lower court, you can appeal to a higher court? And if The judgment rendered in the lower court is overruled by the higher court. The higher court's ruling stands. The devil makes judgments against this world from his lower courts. But there has failed to be a company of people that will arise and appeal to the higher court so that these lower court judgments are overruled. How do you shift the society? Find what the enemy has determined, appeal to the higher court, and get it ruled. This is true intercession. You know, as we move into this idea of unlocking a city's mandate, what you have to realize is that You are basically looking at how does a city get influenced by the kingdom of God to the extent that it is brought into a divine commissioning from heaven for a purpose in the earth. That's a big deal. Because over any city, which you will find are ancient powers that have been there a very, very long time and are very, very used to things going a certain way, they don't like being challenged and they bite. Now, grounding out the seven mountains tired? No. We're doing okay? Grounding out the seven mountains has been done in several ways. How how do you pull this from the Bible? Now, I have an approach for this that I have found to be absolutely helpful, but mine is not the only one. I'll tell you mine in a minute. There's another gentleman by the name of Lance Wallnau who has done incredible teaching on this subject. I highly recommend his teaching on the seven mountains for those of you that have not heard it. And he explains that when Jesus was taken by Satan and showed all the kingdoms of the world in a moment, that what Jesus was actually being shown were the seven mountains. And Satan said, I'll give you all of these seven mountains, all of these mind molders of society if you will just bow down and worship me. But Jesus didn't bow down. Jesus said no. I'm going to do it another way. And I think that's great. There's another gentleman by the name of Johnny Enlow. He has a book, The Seven Mountain Mandate. And he talks about the Canaanites that were occupying the promised land. And what he basically says is if you do some name studies and some culture studies on these groups, you will ultimately find that they reflect those seven mountains as seven main groups that were sitting in the promised land keeping the people of God out of their inheritance. That's a powerful message. Mm -hmm. Now, I think both of those are great. I look at it from this angle. Revelation 17. Now, in Revelation 17, John is caught up. He's being taken around by an angel of the Lord. He's having encounters with the Father, encounters with Jesus Christ. He is seeing all kinds of stuff, things to come, things from the past. Revelation 17 lands him um, on a conversation about battle. And it says this, Then one of the seven angels who had seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication. And the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the wilderness and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast which was full of names of blasphemy having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with golden precious stones and pearls having in her hand a golden cup. Full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication, and on her forehead a name was written: Mystery, Babylon the Great, the Mother of Harlots and of the Abominations of the Earth. I saw a woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs Jesus. And when I saw her, I marvelled with great amazement. But the angel said to me, "Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has its seven heads and ten horns." The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out the bottom of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they see the beast that was and is not and yet is, here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. So the woman, the whore of Babylon is sitting on seven mountains. Now, I was told that the mountains represent different things. Um, one idea was that it was the Vatican, because Rome sits on seven mountains. So that was Pierre. Um, but there's also a geography in Ohio that sits on seven mountains. As a matter of fact, there's probably about at least 70 different areas in the world that sit on seven mountains as a geographic symbol. So that geography, in my opinion, is not sufficient to explain the full extent of what is actually being communicated in this text. I don't think it's so limited. I have friends that believe America is Babylon. And yeah, there are Babylonian components of our culture, but what about Rome? How do you make sense of the fact that Rome had attributes of Babylon? Two thousand years ago, and so thinking about it one step further, I said, "Well, what if Babylon is more than just an earthly geography?" And then I came into some secret knowledge hey. because I work with survivors that have been into all kinds of stuff. I work with Illuminati defectors. I have secrets that if I just started talking about them, like I do, uh, it would cause pretty big waves. (laughs) And one of those mysteries is that I talk to people that have been to Babylon. And there is an entrance point to Babylon underneath the Temple Mount in Jerusalem that is a portal that takes you to a city that is essentially dimensionally positioned in the center of the earth. Babylon is much more than a geography. It is a government, it is a religion, it is a system, and it exists in the spirit. And they're interfaced with Babylon, and Babylon has for eons reached its tentacles up from its position in the spirit realm and influenced systems throughout the earth, governments throughout the earth, empires throughout the earth. And it is drunk. The whore of Babylon is drunk with the blood of the saints, I will tell you. We are dealing in Revelation with something much bigger than we thought. This is what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you is that the enemy has already targeted these mountains. The enemy is sitting on these mountains. And if you want to release a mandate for a city, you will have to dispossess the enemy of his strongholds. Are we as the body of Christ ready for what that looks like? Now this is where you really got to begin to think things through. People say, oh God has changed my city. Okay. I gave this example a while back, um, just to discuss something. I said, look, Most people know that CPS is a bit subverted. There's some really illegitimate stuff that goes on with CPS. I just got a testimony in my email box. This was heartbreaking the other day. I had one person come to me and call it child prostitution services. So many children get abused under the watchful eye of CPS, and it goes unreported every year. People are damaged. Because there is, it's almost so bad it seems intentional. Yet, do you know what happened? God just, boom, CPS, gone. Hundreds of thousands of children are now living in situations where there is no system of funding going to caretakers. Their records are just gone. Who takes care of them? Who's responsible? What happened? It is actually more destructive to remove and create a void when evil is in power than it is to leave evil in power until you can replace them. Until you can replace them. But if you're working with a group of people that can only believe you for next month's rent, how are you going to begin to replace the systems that are overloaded by evil? So you gives them everything imaginable. You know, the Bible says you have been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Jesus, Ephesians chapter 1. I live by that verse. I determined years ago, if my ministry did not shift earth, i fail. And I'm actually not anxious about that. That does not produce anxiety. I already know what's been done. Why? I'm walking out what was written in my scroll. And I, I believe this, that the more Christians begin to walk out what is written in their scrolls, the more people you're going to begin to find to have language that sounds like that. Serious about getting business done, not intimidated, not in fear. And changing things. If you want to intercede for a city, so mandate is released, you better believe you have to be prepared to step into the voids that your prayers are going to create. You can't just be part of the intercession, you have to be part of the solution. What we do in the heavens must be grounded out in the earth. The evil people go into entertainment and arts until now, you know. Uh, we cannot abdicate positions of influence to the enemy intentionally and call that Christian living. You pray for your leaders, you don't go into politics. Baloney. Baloney. Rule all seven mountains in any given society and set up their gatekeepers up at the top of the mountains. They want their gatekeepers. And then when he invades a society, corrupts its mountains, and sets up his gate leaders, he goes after the church and says, your God is weak and inferior to us. <laughs> just pray for next month's rent. <laughs> if you want to know what kind of God you serve, just look who we gave all the money to. Not you. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, let us keep the money. Just be religious and stay in your poverty mindset. Right over there. You'll be fine. We'll send you a welfare check. Um, well, hmm. Are you beginning to see how ridiculous the world looks from God's perspective? It's called out of alignment. Heaven and earth are out of alignment. And the enemy wants to convince us that the best God has is an escape plan from the enemy's grid of control. die in peace. Hopefully the rapture comes before this thing goes up. <laughs> the rapture, God's blood support. Look, Jesus is coming back and the church is getting glorified. I'm not arguing that point, but I will tell you this. The enemy wants to convince us that we have the power to complain about the enemy's influence and power, but are ultimately powerless to topple the awesome power of Satan. I have confronted Antichrist in the spirit. I am not intimidated. I've confronted Poseidon. I've confronted Anubis. I've confronted Seth. I've confronted Enlil. I've confronted Satan. I've confronted if you can name them, I've probably seen them. I have a list on my website of over 400 different principalities and I have dealt with them all as one person. I am not intimidated by any of them or any number of them that gang up and try to attack at the same time. Jesus Christ has disarmed principalities and powers triumphing over them, making an open show of the minute. Well, what God do you serve? You know? And this is what I'm saying. I'm saying the paradigm has to be right before we begin to go after a city to release its mandate. We have to understand what we're actually opening up. Because we're going to get whammy with something that we don't expect. First of all, if you go after a city, the ancient powers over that city are going to come after you and they will be on you like white on rice. You need to be sure that your house, that your person, that your family, that your ministry, that your business is already established in its mandate and under the protection of heaven because of right alignment before you begin to go after a city. I city prayer. I told Lily I'm not giving it out. I'm going to speak it but I'm not giving it out because I don't want people to hurt themselves. <laughs> Seriously. I don't want people to hurt themselves with the same. Because it's it, it, it is actually going to create a great controversy. When you begin to go after it. And as a group of people arises and says, okay, we got our personal lives in check, we got our homes in check, we have our businesses, we have our ministries, we have our situation aligned with mandate. Now let's begin to go after the city. Okay. Great. Now, you're still going to have to get in a fight with these guys and they're going to resist you by attacking the people that are close to you. And when their systems do it in the topple, you have better be ready to be part of the solution for its replacement. It's displace and replaced, not displace and leave voids and chaos. Because God is a God of order and not a god of chaos. Hmm. Having said all of that, the kingdom of God is supreme to the kingdom of Babylon and is ruled by a higher authority. Now I'm repeating myself. Those that represent the kingdom of God or the superior kingdom will be able to superimpose and subordinate the inferior kingdom from their positions of interface with the earth realm as they walk out their mandates and callings in Christ. You can't walk out your mandate and a calling in Christ if Jesus is not doing what you are. The Bible says in Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 2, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord Rises upon you and his glory appears over you. You are here to introduce the world to the glory of God. Furthermore, the Bible says, Then the seventh angel sounded. There were loud voices in heaven. Now this. This is the appearing of Christ, the seventh trumpet. According to the book of Revelation, this is when Jesus is returning, marrying heaven to earth. And it says, as the seventh angel sounded, there were loud voices in heaven saying the kingdoms of this world have become. Now, it says have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. There are kingdoms in this world, and all the kingdoms simultaneously are being delivered into the governorship, the government of God at the return of Christ. The verb tense have become is derived from the Greek word henomai. And it is represented in the English present perfect tense. This verb tense indicates an action that began at an indeterminable time in the past and leading up and into the present moment. For example, I have eaten rice and beans all year. Have eaten I have competed in many tournaments. That verb tense does not mean right now I am competing in many tournaments. It means I have been doing it for a long time. So what it's saying there is that the kingdoms of this world were in the process of becoming the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and when he arrives, they have become. Well, damn, that must mean the devil runs the whole world until Jesus escapes us out. No, 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 that's not what it means at all. This means that the kingdoms of this world need to become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ before Jesus returns. This means that the idea that a city's mandate is going to be released is absolutely mandatory. (laughs) It will happen. Cities will be influenced by the kingdom of God. It will move to states. It will move to nations. It will be in different areas around the world. And there is a company of people that are on assignment to do it. And I think that's the mandate for this generation. I really do. Yes, Lord. Mm-hmm. who wants me to finish (sighs) we're going to pray we're going to pray and uh, we're simply going to pray for another grade we're going to pray for God to pull us another level higher towards his goal for our lives in this direction for different ones of I you, mean, that's going to mean different things. So I'm going to close our eyes. And if you agree that God is going to pull you another level higher, put your hands in the air to receive it. Now, Lord God, I come before you in prayer and I thank you. I thank you for your work I thank you, Lord God, for your intentions. I thank you, hallelujah. I thank you for the angels that are present in this room. Mm. Okay, so Lord God, I activate and I declare that where paperwork has been missing, stolen, confused, replaced with fraudulent documentation or ignored, that it is now being distributed by your heavenly host to those in the room that are receiving it now in Jesus' name. Lord God, I thank you that there is a showering of heavenly gold over those in this room, sealing us to a higher purpose. Lord God, I thank you that your wind... This is interesting. A confrontation blows through this room and smites the powers that resist the callings and mandates of those in this room, illegitimately displacing them from their positions in the name of Jesus. Y'all going to have to come back tomorrow for the rest. Uh. You've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. If you would like to connect with us at Bride Ministries... Or to support what we are doing financially, visit us at www.bridemovement.com.